listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering at Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Psalm chapter 56. We're calling this a psalm for the scared, okay? Now, my wife and I, are our middle son, Harvey, he's, he's five years old, um, there's a few things that I want to tell you about Harvey, okay? First off, like Harvey, he's, uh, man, he's just such a cool kid, okay? Like, like he's just really, really cool. He's, he's gentle, he's sweet, he's kind. Um, he, he loves his sisters. Um, he's kind of the first one to always like share things or like if, if they don't have something, he'll give his up. Um, like he's, he's just a really cool kid and he doesn't really even know it, okay? Like, like that's just him. Like he's just his, he loves whatever he loves and he makes no qualms about it. Like, like he's just, he's really cool. Um, the other thing to know about Harvey is that Harvey is a vivid dreamer. Okay, like like he has like really like like weird dreams at times, and and there have been moments like where my wife and I have like looked at each other and we've been like, does he have like a like a direct connection to Jesus that we don't have? Um, and it's possible, right? Like it's possible. Um, but but let me give you an example of this. So. Before I came to Southcrest, uh, we launched or we planted a church on Tech's campus. And so the night before the launch, okay, so Saturday night, Harvey's asleep and he has this dream and he tells us about it the next morning, like as we're, we're getting ready to launch our church. Um, he tells us, hey, I had a, a dream last night. And this is when Harvey is like around three. And uh, we were like, okay, buddy, like what, what was your dream about? And he tells us, he says, well, like I was standing there and there was these trumpets playing. And we're like, okay, like who was playing them? And he was like, no one. Like they were just playing themselves. These golden trumpets, they were just, just playing themselves. And I've never talked to Harvey about like golden trumpets playing themselves. Like he's never seen anything like that before. Um, and then we were like, okay, like, well, who, who was with you? And, and he was like, well, you all were. And I was really thankful for that, okay? Um, but uh, we looked at each other, like my wife and I, and we were like, did he like, just see heaven? Like, what's going on here? Um, and so Harvey's a very vivid dreamer, which also means that he has very vivid nightmares too, okay? Like, like he, has, he has very vivid nightmares. And I remember very specifically when these nightmares started. So Harvey had just seen the, the music video to the Gummy Bear song. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay, a few of you. I'm a gummy bear. I'm not going to sing it. But... But Harvey had just seen this video. And uh, actually, I want to show you a picture of the gummy bear that he saw. You'll see it on the screen back here. Okay, this is, this is a picture of the gummy bear that he saw. You can take it away. That's, that's frightening. But here's the thing. Like, for a three-year-old, like, yeah, like, that's going like, to be scary. And Harvey would have these nightmares where the gummy bear would, like, try to chase him down. Okay, like he, he would have these nightmares where this gummy bear would, would try and chase him down. And so, so he, he was afraid, he was scared for, for his life maybe. I don't know what was going on in his dreams, but, but it was enough to, to make him afraid. And I remember, and it, it still goes on to this day, like, like our routine every night is we'll, we'll get in bed, like my wife and I will get in bed with him, um, one of us will. We'll lay with him and we'll, we'll sing our songs um, and we'll just talk to each other for a little bit. And then when it's time to kind of wrap up, 
Harvey will look at whoever's in bed with him and say, hey, can you, can you pray that I have good dreams tonight? Will you, will you pray that, that God gives me good dreams tonight? So why do I tell you that story? Because Psalm 56, okay, is, is a psalm for those, for those of us who find ourselves in a season of life where we are fearful, where we are afraid. And maybe that's you, like this morning, like we're just being honest. And maybe it's been a season where you feel like it's been uh, years where you've just lived in fear. Psalm 56 is for you. And, and what, I, what, I, what I know, really, like what I know to be true is that Harvey, even though he probably doesn't really understand it or, or, or express, know how to express it, he understood something that I think King David understands in this psalm, and it's this. God cares for me deeply. God, God cares for me deeply, and David expresses it through a deep personal trust in who God is. And even though Harvey may not know how to express that or say that, I think he understands that just by the fact that he asks us every night, hey, will you, will you pray that God will give me good dreams tonight. Why do I say that? Because Harvey understands something. He understands that even in those moments, bad dreams, God cares enough about him to take those bad dreams away. And man, I, I, think, I think, let's just be honest, like for, for a lot of us, we can kind of, as we get older, we can get really jaded with life and be like, does God even care about that? Like, does God even, even care about where I'm at right now? Does he care about my fears? Does he care about my anxieties? Does he care about, like, what I'm afraid of? And I think Harvey's onto something. And I think David is onto something that we're going to catch this morning. And David's going get, get, to share with us really three truths from Psalm 56 today that, that he wants us to declare, okay? He wants us to, to, to really speak into our lives each and every day. He's going to share three truths with us um, for those moments when we find ourselves afraid, when we find ourselves scared. And here's the thing. I, I don't pretend, okay? Like, like, I don't pretend to know like where, like just in this crowd with all of these people, like I don't pretend to know where you are at spiritually. But here's what I do know standing up here. You can trust God. Here's what, here's what I do know. You can trust his word. You can trust his promises. And you may be sitting there going, okay, you're a pastor. You, you're paid to say that. <laughs> like, um, I'm not standing up here saying that because I'm supposed to say that. I'm saying that because I've experienced it. I've experienced that, that you can trust God in those moments, in those seasons of life where, man, it looks really grim and dark. And so David is going to speak into that for us this morning as we, as we think about that. And here's the question that, that I want to I lay out in front of us. Because I know for some of you, like you come in here and, and you put on a really good facade, like, like, like you put on a really good mask and you're like, I'm not afraid of anything. Like nothing scares me. Here's the question before us. Are you willing to be transparent before God this morning? 
Are you willing to be transparent before God? Are you willing to, to let go and allow God to be sovereign and you be the surrender? Are you willing to, to do that this morning? Because here's the thing, so many of us, and I'm putting myself in this category, so many of us allow fear and, and, and anxiety to reign in our lives. And what happens is we're exhausted from it. We're so tired because we live in fear, constant fear. And so this morning, David's going to show us three truths. And, and I think if we, man, if we lean into these, I really believe this. If we lean into these truths that David shows us this morning, fear will have no part in your life anymore. It won't. It'll have, it'll have no part in your life anymore. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 56, and let's start in verse 1 together. Verse 1 says this, Be gracious to me, God, for a man is trampling me. He fights and he oppresses me all day long. My adversaries, they trample me all day, for many arrogantly fight against me. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? They twist my words all day long. All their thoughts against me are evil. They stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps while they wait to take my life. Will they escape in spite of such sin? God, bring down the nations in wrath. You yourself have recorded my wanderings. You've put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will retreat on the day when I call. This I know, God is for me. In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mere humans do to me? I'm obligated by vows to you, God. I will make my thank offerings to you. For you rescued me from death, even my feet from stumbling, to walk before God in the light of life. Okay, so first truth that I want us to see this morning that, that David tells us, he says, hey, when, when you find yourself in a season where you are afraid or fearful, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Activate your faith. Activate your, your faith. Now, in Psalm 56, if you have headings in your Bible, okay, some of your Bibles may not have headings, but if you have headings in your Bible, it gives us kind of a major context clue of what's going on in David's life in this moment. Because the heading says this, it says, in my Bible, it says, when the Philistines seized him in Gath. Okay, so a little context here. In 1 Samuel chapter 20 and 21, David flees Jerusalem. He flees Israel because King Saul, in a, in a jealous fit of rage, is trying to kill him. Why? Because King Saul knows that David is next in line, that David has been chosen to be the king of Israel. And Saul does not want that to happen. And so David's own king is trying to kill him. And so David flees, and where does he go? It says that he goes to Gath. Well, where, where's Gath? Gath is a major city in, in the, the city uh, or in the province of, of Philistia, okay? 
the Philistines, the hometown of Goliath, right? Like David had just killed Goliath. He had just slaughtered Goliath. He had just chopped off his head. So David here is, is very desperate, but it doesn't sound like this is like a, a well thought out plan, does it? Like, hey, I'm going to flee my own people and I'm going to run into the hands of our very own enemies. Like, that doesn't sound great, David. Like, like, what are you doing right now? In fact, if you were to read 1 Samuel 21, verse 13, it says that um, he was only able to escape because he literally pretended to be insane. Verse 13 says this in 1 Samuel 21. So he pretended to be insane in their presence. He acted like a madman in their hands, scribbling on the doors of the city gate and letting saliva run down his beard. Okay, this is David. Like, like this is a man after God's own heart. Like, this is not a great moment in his life. He's having to act like insane in this moment. And when it says here that he was in the Philistines' hands in verse 13, it's letting you know that they laid hands on him and not like in a church prayer service type of way, okay? Like, like they were trying to harm him. They were trying to hurt him. In fact, they were trying to kill him. But the only reason they let him go is because he was acting insane. And all of their ill intentions that they had for him are, are lined up for us in Psalm 56. When you read words like trample, fight, stir up, lurk, all of these are not great words to have someone say about you. Okay, like this is what's going on in, in David's life in this moment. And all of this is to say that David had every reason to be in panic mode in this moment. If anyone had a reason to be in panic mode, David did, right? Like, like people were trying to kill him. He had every reason to be in panic mode. But what's he do? Well, look at verses 3 and 4. Because in verses 3 and 4 and in verses 10 and 11, what we see is this repeated theme of not only trusting God, but worshiping God. Look what he says in verses 3 and 4. He says, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? And then he says almost the exact same thing in verses 10 and 11. In God whose word I praise... In the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mere humans do to me? What is he doing here? David is activating his faith. He's, he's activating his faith. He's speaking it out loud. God, I trust you. And, and let me say this. Like, like for some of us in here, we need to make that a habit in our lives. Wake up every morning, and, and the first thing we do is say, God, I trust you. Like, today looks really dark, but I trust you. That's what David is doing. He's, he's activating his faith. Think back to that story I told you of Harvey, Harvey right, and, and, and the gummy bear. Like, for a three-, four-, five-year-old, like, that thing is probably pretty terrifying, right? Like, if you have dreams or you have nightmares about that thing, like, yeah, that makes sense. But from our perspective, like as an adult, I can see why his fears are unfounded. Harvey, that thing's not real. Like, that's not going to come after you, bud. Like, and it never will. And so I can see how his fears are unfounded and silly. 
Christian, I'm here to tell you, it's the exact same thing from God's perspective. It's the exact same thing from, from God's perspective in your life. When he looks at your fears, he's looking at you going, hey, you don't need to be afraid of that. You don't have to be, you don't have to be fearful. Now, please hear what I'm not saying. I'm not discounting, okay, that we live in a broken world. I'm not. There are going to be times in your life where, where the finances seem really, really thin. And that's going to scare you. There are going to be times in your life where, where you have relational turmoil with someone. Maybe a friend that, that you know is, is not going down a good path and you've, you've tried to confront them about it and they've just cut you off. And this is one of your best friends and that scares you. Or maybe it's, it's your marriage, right? And you're like, man, it's really hard right now. And that scares you a little bit. Or maybe like you're going into college or you're getting ready to graduate college and, and you're like, I, I have no job prospectives lined up yet. I have no clue what I'm doing. And that scares you. That scares you a little bit. Like David, we find ourselves looking fear in the face. And here's the thing. It's at that place where we have the opportunity to choose. We have to make a decision. Will I sit and will I marinate in fear? Or will I activate my faith in that moment? Will I, will I activate my, my faith in that moment? Look again at, at verses three and four, because I think if we're not careful, we can miss something in regards to faith, in regards to, to trusting who God is, okay? Um, in fact, let's put it on the screen real quick because I want to point something out. Verses three and four say this. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. Catch this in verse four. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Faith is not built on the foundation of feelings. And again, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying feelings aren't important. In fact, feelings are often an indicator of, of something that may be going on that's deeper inside of you. But what we see in verses 3 and 4 is that faith is built on the foundation of what? Of God's word. And so let me just be real with us for a second. Some of you are, are living in fear. Why? Because God's word has taken a back seat in your life. Some of you are in constant fear right now because God's word is, is just taking a back seat in your life. And here's my challenge, my encouragement for you. <clears throat> Bring it back. Get back in it. Because faith is built on the foundation of God's word is what David says to us. And when the word of God has taken a back seat in our life, what ends up happening is that the message of the world, the noise of the world, right, becomes front and center in our lives. And that's when we get scared. That's when we get afraid. 
There, there have been moments in my life, like just being transparent, there have been moments in my life and, and when, I've, when I've seen like, man, the most scared I am, the most fearful I am has been those seasons where God's word hasn't really been present in my life. And so my encouragement to you is, man, turn off everything and just open up his word. Get back in into his word. So here's the question. Will you trust that God is still in control? Will you trust that his word is still true? And will you trust that he sees you right now and that he hears you? Will you trust that? In those seasons where we're scared or fearful, activate your faith. Now look at at verse 9 with me. David goes on to say this. He says, then my enemies will retreat on the day when I call. This I know, God is for me. God is for me, and I love this verse. And, and, And this speaks into the second truth that David wants us to see today, and it's this. Don't forget your favor. Don't forget your favor, okay? You see, in in the text, in verses 5 through 7, I'm not going to read them, but in the text, in verses 5 through 7, what David does is he really laments his situation. He's, He's crying out to God. He's saying, look how terrible this is right now. Look what they're trying to do to me. They're trying to kill me. They're trying to trample me. They're they're trying to do all types of things to harm me. Then in verse 8, what he does is he intentionally reminds himself of God's empathy and God's concern for him. Look what he says in verse 8. He says, you yourself have recorded my wanderings. You've put my tears in your bottle, and they are they not in your book? What he's saying there is he's saying, God, you care for me so much that even when I cry, you catch those tears and you hold them in your bottle. That's how much you care for me. And so David is, is intentionally reminding himself of this. And then in verse 9, what he does is he takes the the peril of the enemy, everything that's going on with the enemy right now in his life, and he puts it into perspective. How? By reminding himself of God's presence in his life. Look what he says. He says this. He says, then my enemies will retreat on the day when I call, because this I know God is for me. Tony Evans, he says it this way. He says, when David was consumed by his enemies... He compared the size of his enemies to his trustworthy God. Man, we need to do that, don't we? (laughs) Like like just in those moments when we're afraid or or, or scared, like like comparing our fears of what we are afraid to to who God is and how big God is. That's what David is doing in this moment. And don't, rem- don't miss this. Remember the context, okay, that he's writing this in. Because before, before you ever get to 1 Samuel chapter 22, where David flees to the cave of Adullah, and his friends and his family members find him in that cave, David is alone and scared to death in the city of Gath, trying to escape. And the only reason he was able to escape is because King Achish, the Philistine king, thought this brother was insane, 
That's the only reason he was able to get out of there. And as David looks back on these circumstances, he pins these words in verse 9. He says, this I know, God is for me. Those words hit a little bit different when we understand the context, don't we? Because this isn't David hanging out in like the luxuries of, of, of the palace. That'll come later. This is David all alone, by himself, scared to death, full of anxiety, has no clue what tomorrow's going to bring or really probably the next hour or, or however long. And yet he says, this I know, God is for me. Under these circumstances, David was confident of God's favor in his life. Why? <laughs> Why was he confident of that? Was he overly optimistic? Was he delusional? Like, do we sit there and read that and go, man, he doesn't, like he doesn't live in reality? Was he like the, the kid who brought home his report card to his dad, gave it to his dad, and, and all of his grades were Ds and Fs, and his dad looked at him and said, well, like, son, what do you have to say for yourself? And he's, his son looked at him and said, well, dad, like, you can be proud and, and, and thankful that I did not cheat. <laughs> like, is he trying to put, like, a positive spin on things right now when we read Psalm 56? Is that what David is trying to do? No. David absolutely believes God's promises and he clings to God's presence in his life. So the question for you and I is this, what does that look like for us? What does that look like for us? Because obviously there were very specific promises that were given to King David as the future king of Israel that he's clinging to. And, like, we no longer live under the Abrahamic covenant, okay, as, as Christians, as followers of Jesus. And, and so we aren't necessarily, like, looking forward to the promise of land and, and things like that. So what does that mean for, for you and I? When I say favor, don't automatically immediately go to health, wealth, and prosperity. In fact, favor, uh, one definition of favor is this, gracious kindness, Gracious kindness. So what do we mean when we talk about remember, don't forget God's favor. Don't forget your favor. What are we, what are we saying with that? Well, I think Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39, gives us a, a really good understanding of what we're talking about when we talk about remembering our favor, okay? Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39, and if you if you want, just write that down in, in, your, in your notes because I want you to come, like, come back to it later on. But it says this, what then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare his own son, but offer him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, 
in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Please hear me when I say this. Your favor is found in the one who laid his life down for you. And because of that, we can rest in this, that, that Jesus is at the right hand of God interceding on your behalf right now. If you follow him. Because our favor rests in the one who died for us, we can, we can rest in the fact that nothing can separate us from his love. Did you catch what Paul said in, at the end of, of, of chapter 8? when he started listing all of those things, right? Like none of these things can separate us. When I read that, what, one of the things that stood out to me was he conveniently left something out in there. He never mentioned like our past. And here's why I bring this up, because I think for some of you in here, like you follow Jesus, you, you, you try to follow him and, and, and live for him, but man, you, you always have this fear that because of your past, he's going to eventually like walk away from you. Why does Paul never, why does he not mention his past? <laughs> because if there's anyone who has a past, right, it's Paul. And here's why. I think Paul understood that his past was so completely dealt with at the cross of Christ that it was never even a thought in his mind anymore. It was never even a thought in his mind anymore. And so if you're in here and you struggle with that, with your past, with, with the sins that you've committed in your past, and you wonder, man, like I'm afraid that one day God's gonna walk away from me, <laughs> live like Paul and remember that, man, your past was dealt with at the cross and it'll never come up again. Ever. But to experience this truth, you've got to live by faith not by your feelings. And remember, by faith, what does David say? That God is for me. God is for me. <clears throat> As the psalm closes, look at verse 13. He says this, he says, for you rescued me from death, even my feet from stumbling, to walk before God in the light of life. Here's the third truth that he wants us to see this morning. As we, if, if we find ourselves in a season, man, where we're, where we're scared, where we're fearful, David says this. He says, remember, you are saved for a purpose. You're saved for a purpose, literally. Like David, David was, was all, he had already experienced God saving him from death multiple times, hadn't he? Like from, from the hand of Goliath, from the hand of King Saul, David had experienced all of this. But what he knew was that his deliverance was for a purpose. He knew that. 
It's exactly what he says in verse 13. He says, God, you delivered me, you saved me. Why? To walk before you in the light of life. Man, I think we all need this reminder this morning, and it's this, that our lives are not our own. Our lives are, are not our own. In, in fact, in Psalm 56, there are 15 references to God. In other words, he's the subject of this psalm. He's what this psalm is about. And so if you start with you, if you start with your worries, if you start with your fears, your anxieties, what's going to happen is that's going to lead to, to futility. That's going to lead to a place where you're like, I don't know where to go with this now. And you're going to get frustrated and you're going to get angry. But when you realize that God made you for himself, what ends up happening is you begin to discover that you have a unique purpose in this life. You have a unique purpose in this life. And I think we need to understand this. Like, like salvation is more than just a get-out-of-hell-free card. It's more than that because when we're saved, Jesus saves us so that we can have a life better in the here and now. He wants us to experience it right now. Not something that we have to wait on for after we die. Verse 13 is pointing to this reality that God saving you should lead to a new purpose in this life. And you may be sitting there going, okay, well, like, what is that purpose? Here's what I would say to you. Your purpose, first and foremost, is to love and follow Jesus. Love and follow Jesus to increasingly look more and more like Christ each and every day. And then as you do that, make disciples for Jesus. You are saved for a purpose. And when we understand that, when we know that, we understand and realize, hey, I woke up this morning, I have breath in my lungs, there's nothing for me to be afraid of because I have a purpose in this life. And until I'm in the ground, nothing's gonna stop that. So how do we fight fear? We do what David says. We activate fear, or, or sorry, we activate faith in our lives. We remember our favor. And we remember that we are saved for a purpose. We're going to have some, some, some people up front, some ministry leaders up front this morning. If, if you need prayer, you may find yourself in, in this season right now. And that's okay. Here's my, my encouragement to you. Kind of like I said at the very beginning, are you ready to be transparent before God? Are you willing to, to let go and allow him to be sovereign and you be the surrender? And as you do, Man, I think it's vital, it's important that you sit there and say, God, I trust you. And I may not know anything else today, 
But here's what I do know. You are for me. God, you are for me. And maybe you just need to declare that over and over again. God, you are for me. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you for your grace in our lives. I know, God, that, that fear is a, it is such a, a real powerful force in our lives if we allow it to be. But what I also know is that you've told us that, that you did not give us the spirit of fear. And so, God, you want us to, to walk in faith today and trust you. And so I pray, Father, if there's anyone in here that, that just needs to proclaim that this morning, God, I trust you. You are for me that they would. Help us to be transparent before you today, God. Help us to trust you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church.